add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare It's good to live Proud sponsor of The Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry Folks, welcome to the latest episode of The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry Folks, um, a couple of months ago at this stage, we had uh, today's guest in and there was so much content in the course of a 30 minute conversation I uh, said during to myself and then also to you as the listener uh, afterwards that we're going to have to have him back in. We couldn't get, we just couldn't get enough of him. The response was huge in terms of listeners, but also in terms of the the question caller that we called for. You sent loads of questions in for him and uh, we have him back in studio. Dominic Monelli, welcome back to The Real Health Podcast. Thanks for having me back on. How's it going? Good. I hope I didn't frighten everybody off the last <laughs> time it was on. Um, Not at but all. yeah, it's been, uh, it feels actually that it was sooner, like it wasn't weeks and weeks ago, but um, it's great to be back on and thanks for having us. Not at all. So we're going to get cracking straight away. Um, we've loads of questions that came in. Uh, I'm going to start with you, actually. We had a lot of questions about you, how you started in the business, your ultimate treat meal. What does this guy eat for, you know, what, what's his, 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 uh, his, uh, his, his treat meal? So, Talk to me, I suppose, you generally in terms mm. of business, how you started out um, for people, even prospective trainers listening in. It's really interesting to listen to other trainers in terms of what they did and how they kind of, how they built their business up and where, where they got started. So um, I suppose in. I started at, um, over 20 years ago, uh, coming off a sports science degree that I did in the UK. I applied for a normal uh, gym job in, um, in in UCD and worked for a firm called Crunch Fitness. And that was kind of at a time when I'm um, giving my qualifications and they had no idea what a sports science degree was. So m- a lot of people would have been coming off like very short-term courses. So um, from there, I went on to become uh, the fitness director for that uh, group and was training the trainers and did that for until it was about maybe 27, 28. So between 21 and 28 let's say and got to the point I suppose by about 27 28 that um, I felt sick going into work every day and a lot of it was kind of down to just burnout so kind of teaching multiple classes all the time trying to get my own training in and then just seeing no real career path like a lot of uh, trainers within that sort of setup will kind of get to a crisis point I think where j- largely they're paid very very little and you're just paid the market rate and I don't really have an, uh, 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 have uh, much of a problem with that actually I, I think it's a meritocracy that there comes a point where you have to be pushed on to something better mm-hmm. um, so the something better was actually just setting up a business on my own I trained clients from my local park for a while um, and was very lucky to meet um, a client of mine Lisa Fitzpatrick um, way back when she was quite overweight and needing somebody to um, knock on her door at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, while she was still claiming that she didn't want to train that day but when you had no clients and you've you've kind of you've you've brought your ship to the seashore 
you have no other option but to burn a ship and plough ahead. So I'm not a big believer in this sort of like, you know, well, you know, do your hobby for a while and hold on to your main job. I think there's a point where you have to kind of, you know, just burn the ship and then go, go straight at it. it. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I did. Um, even during that time, though, that was supposed to be in this whole Celtic Tiger time. I didn't see a whole lot of it. There was people obviously doing PT and I was going to people's homes. But, um, uh, you know, I still was struggling to kind of get clients and kind of get myself established but um, I eventually started to work in a CrossFit facility um, because I was doing a lot of CrossFit myself at the time and uh, the guys just really liked my message and they like they saw it was a good fit so I was in uh, working with the guys in CrossFit Ireland for a long time and then became very competitive within CrossFit for a, a number of years and uh, got to regionals which is kind of like oh, the wow. second level down from from um, you know the ultimate goal which for a lot of people is the CrossFit the games, game so yeah. so far no Irish man has qualified at the kind of the normal level there's been a couple of junior guys that have gone to the games in okay. Ireland um, I think folks if you haven't watched that on Netflix yet uh, it's fit, it's fittest on the, the, the CrossFit Games documentary it's yeah. fittest on earth I think is fittest it? on earth and then there's another one called redeemed and dominant there's, okay. a, there's a few um, but it's yeah. fascinating it yeah is it is it is it is and, and, and again there there should be a separation in, in again what I always come back to is there is that where, where competition starts is where health ends so the more competitive I was becoming about what I was doing um, uh, the un- unhealthier I was, be- I, I, I felt. Um, so people might have said, like, "Yeah, you look amazing, and you're able to do X, Y, and Z." But you know, you're running on empty a lot of the time, and you're just struggling to kind of get workouts done when you're trying to put in between 15 and 20 hours of training a week. Um, so. Yeah, I moved on from there and uh, I've been running my business ever since. Um, and I, I kind of find my philosophy is very much of the Bruce Lee approach of absorb everything that's out there and then take what I find is useful and discard mm-hmm. the rest. So I've kind of employed that philosophy for a long time now and I'm pretty happy with what myself and my wife have come up with as a whole training and how to approach this whole health and fitness thing and, and wellness as well. So the advice for, for anyone listening in who is a PT starting out is, you know, go for it basically is is find your method believe in what you do and just work really hard at it and build it up and I would also suggest find a mentor Um, there's a lot of PTs that I would work with that I mentor and kind of point them in the right direction so they don't have to make the same mistakes so they understand that like you know let's say for example their issue is around you know behavioural change with somebody I might say well I did this course or I read this book or I talked to this person and that really helped me in that direction as opposed to mindlessly kind of going about things I think a lot of uh, personal trainers out there are um, quite exhausted and burnt out so I do think there comes a a time where they need to do a little bit more self-care as well so they can do this in a more sustainable way long term cool picking up on self-care of burnout um, with a lot of questions in about kind of a nine to five lifestyle Mm. the effects on the body in terms of how the body stiffens up being in work all day Mm. and kind of uh, tips around that in terms of mobility in terms of advice during the day and to pick your brains on that so that's a huge part of the population. Yeah, um, I doubt most people are even doing nine to five. Yeah, they're probably doing a lot more than that. Yeah. you know. So, I, 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 I would say like overall mental health trumps physical health. Absolutely. So you know, it's it's very it, it's probably not what the listeners want to hear. They they want to hear me give them some sort of magic stretch that's going to completely relieve uh, their neck pain. But the reality is is that if you are spending your day, let's say, mindlessly thumbing through your phone and then going home and doing the same thing in front of the TV 
TV and taking no regular exercise and not integrating maybe mobility into your normal day, then that's a problem. Um, but overall, um, when we form a hierarchy of fitness, our mobility is the number one thing. Strength is second and conditioning is third, whereas I think a lot of people have that flipped the other way around. Um, so if they are looking to, you know, just move a little bit better, then they should have things that they can do at their desk or just getting up from their desk on a regular basis uh, and then use mobility tools if they can in work or if it's just stretches that they can do sitting at a desk, whether it's something like a modified pigeon stretch sitting at a desk or whether it is um, a, a quad stretch, anything along those sort of lines that will help loosen up their hip flexors and open okay. up their T-spine. Because most people, again, the hips are super tight, T-spine, the upper back is super tight, which again asks the back to do a job it's not required to do. If you have a, a, a stable joint like the back joint that is not designed for a huge range of motion, um, uh, and then that compounded with stiff hips and stiff, stiff T-spine, you're now asking a, a stable joint to do a mobile uh, joint's work, and that's just not how things work. So, yeah, they need to integrate it into their day, whether it's getting up in the morning and doing, you know, it's like I did a talk at the weekend, and um, a lady said, like, you know, well, how long will this take? And I said, well, if I said three minutes, would that be a problem? And she said, no, not at all. And I said, okay, then great, start with three, three minutes. Mm -hmm. Start with what the minimum intervention is, and if that's two or three minutes for you, you'll probably get down there and do more than three minutes, you know? So, um, and I would also suggest as well, it's a bit like the food side of things, um, that you, it's easier to control your environment than your willpower. So if you want to do something more often, make yourself stumble over it. Mm -hmm. So you want to use that foam roll a little bit more often and those bands a little bit more often and that yoga mat a bit more often, make sure it's in a place that you can regularly see it, not hidden away in a cupboard or up in the attic. Gathering dust as exactly. they often do. Fruit and veg is the same, you know? <laughs> Put that on display, not the cereal boxes and junk food. Simple. If you see it, you use it. So yeah, be it around exactly. the office, be it at your desk, be it at home. It's the same. It's the very same principle. Yeah, we don't need an awful lot of tools to get in shape. And I'm a big believer that the more stuff we need to work out, the cheaper you are as a mover. You need to kind of just get used to movement in general and the language of movement, which is that you, you know you should have the capacity to be able to go at a steady state heart rate for a long period of time. You should have the capacity to be able to do basic body weight exercises, which is a reflection of your overall strength. And you should have the capacity to be able to do basic mobility drills without feeling like you're 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 a croc how much of each you need to do is rel is is it is dependent upon the individual you know so if i'm dealing with a guy and he's just incredibly weak and can't do a push-up or a pull-up and same for a woman would make a difference same rules then i'm probably going to hone into that an awful lot more than somebody who's coming to me and they run an awful lot but then you know they're really really stiff on that side of things and they need maybe a little bit more mobility and strength work as opposed to more conditioning work Talk to us about mobility then, around this, the, the, the question of the stiffness after the, the day. What's a normal, uh, standard mobility for somebody or is there such a is there such yeah there is like it's something myself my wife we sat down we put this in our book when we were constructing it and I wanted to have standards of mobility that you should be able to do a couch stretch which again if you look them up it, they're really easy to find it's against the wall it's a, it's a reflection of what's going on at the front of the hips you should be able to do a good pigeon stretch where that shin is coming straight across the body it's a typical yoga pose um, and that foot should be in line with the knee as you're looking down um, uh, on your front um, and then in a dog down dog position position or downwards facing dogs, mm -hmm. the heels should be on the floor in that oh, position. Yeah. Yeah. So again, if those things, they're all, again, mobile joints, the front of the hips, side of the hips and the ankles, if they're all very, very stiff, it's going to ask other stable joints like the knee and the lower back to do too much work. So when, when 
you know, injuries come up and somebody comes into us and says, oh, I have bad knees. I'm like, well, okay, we'll see. But I, I, I've been this, doing this 20 years and I've yet to see bad knees. I see a lot of stiff hips and stiff ankles. Uh, you know, unless somebody's fallen directly on their knee, then maybe they got some problems with the knee. But otherwise, what I tend to see is a lot of really big problems with the hips and the ankles um, and T-spine. And uh, that kicks on uh, down into the lower back, the neck, and then the, the knees. Okay, so check your mobility against those kind of benchmarks. Standard, Have a look standards, at YouTube yeah. if you need it, or just Google yeah, them yeah. in terms of the poses and try them. That the downward dog is a really simple one to do. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. And seeing, to trying to get your get Heels your your heel on the ground, yeah. brilliant, really simple, really easy. Yeah. Try it when you get home tonight and uh, see how you get on. And, and if you can't, do a little bit of work. And Carl, there's a playlist on my YouTube page. Like I'm a big believer in just putting out free content all the time. Let people benefit from it. And that doesn't matter if you're uh, uh, an individual trying to get in shape or you're a personal trainer. Just Use the, use the standards that we set there. If you go onto my YouTube page, it's not hard to find. Just my name, will, it'll come up. Um, there's a uh, playlist, and on that playlist is the four ways to work on your mobility, and it covers those four main areas, front of the hips, side of the hips, ankles, and then what's going on in the upper back. And I break it down, and like, you know, here's, what, here's the standard, mm -hmm. here's how you adjust it, here's how you massage that area. And mobility comes down to the three S's, which is stretch it, do some soft tissue work, like foam rolling, massage, whatever, and then do some strengthening for that area because generally if an area is very, very stiff, it's oftentimes very weak as well. So think of the three S's all the time when it comes to mobility. Great. Uh, fat loss. Mm. We've got about five or six questions on this alone. Mm. They like they, they, they follow you or just out of interest themselves and fat loss is one of the things that they want to, they want to know how you look as ripped as you do. So um, I said I'd ask. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, first of all, I'm not representative of what people, you know, should be aspiring to in a way, because I don't know what's going on in your life. So fat loss is, is a stress on your body. You're in order to lose body fat. Um, there's no doubt about it. You need to consume less calories oh, than so your current. Deficit. Yeah. You need a deficit. It's just, you know, some people aren't aware of that word, I suppose. So you need to consume less calories, run a calorie deficit. Now, if you want to do that through excessive amounts of exercise, good luck to you, but I think you're going to struggle. It's much easier eating less food. Um, so if you're eating less food, that is already a stressor on your system. So if, if Mary comes in and Mary has a newborn child and she's getting hardly any sleep or Jane comes in and she's working in a massive multi, you know, national company and she's stressed up, uh, stressed an awful lot. There are certain circumstances or certain stressors that already exist in those people's lives that they shouldn't be layering on further stress by running a calorie deficit and trying to exercise the bejesus out of themselves. <laughs> so when we're looking to um, to drop body fat or, you know, you know, um, burning body fat or losing body fat and burning body fat and losing body fat are not the same thing. Um, we need to obviously, yes, run a calorie deficit deficit, but it is a stress, but also account for overall stress load on the system. And that has to be dependent on what's going on in your life. So how has your sleep been? How is your stress in general? Um, what's your nutrition been like? So fat loss should really only be done in a healthy body, not a sick body. And if your body's already really, really sick, then I'd be working on that first. Otherwise, you're just putting petrol on the fire. So if you've got a lot of those things fairly well lined up, I'm not saying it has to be perfect because nobody's going to be perfect, but you're getting a bit of better sleep, your diet's a bit better, it's not a complete car crash, then 
I think overall, what we're then looking for is let's do this the least most miserable way possible. <laughs> okay? okay, so rather than looking at like I'm going to run a calorie deficit, the most miserable way possible would be really low calorie intake, regardless of how your macronutrients are made up. Macronutrients are your carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. Um, and then you, if you want to make it super miserable, you do it on a low carbohydrate intake, and you want to go that extra mile. What I would do is I do high intensity training on top of that as well. High intensity training is largely glycolytic, meaning that you're primarily going to use carbohydrate as your energy source. So you're now not taking very many carbohydrates in, or like a lot of people, they'll say in the street, I'm taking in no carbs, eating <laughs> fruits and vegetables. Yes, well, then you actually are taking in course, carbohydrates. Yeah. Um, and then they're doing high intensity exercise on top of that and running a calorie deficit, trying to juggle all the other stresses in your life. The least most miserable way possible to do this is run a mild calorie deficit, maybe about 10, 15% below what your current maintenance is not what your BM, BMR is. Yeah. <laughs> That's very different. Um, and then uh, I would look at some doing some form of aerobic exercise um, as a means to burn some extra calories combined with some strength training. And then the odd time, throw in some harder work. But again, that high-intensity work should be earned it's, and it should not be performed in a body that's already sick. There's an amazing answer. You won't have heard that before. Most people go straight for the jugular and straight for the fat loss tips. But the crucial bit, as Dominic says, is it's lifestyle first and foremost. 100%. Look at the factors first and build the foundations first before you even attempt to go there. Um, if only a lot of the people selling the online fat loss plans would look there first, we'd be a much healthier Yeah, and, and what you'll society. tend to see with a lot of those sort of plans is, is excessive programming. Um, and it's it's a uh, what we call throwing eggs up against the wall. So you'll get 100 people on the program and it's all really hard programming and uh, one egg won't won't crack when you throw it or won't break when you when you throw it against the wall and they'll hold up that magic unicorn as the example and look at Billy Billy's after losing loads of weight and he's in great shape and again you know you're talking about unicorn that you would have done anything with Billy and it would have worked mm -hmm. so the worst designed program done with incredible consistency will always produce results next to nothing so we're not looking for the most miserable way to do this we're looking for the smartest way to do it in a sustainable manner that will be true for now as it will be from five years from now. Folks, you're listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. We're delighted to have Dominic Minnelli back in studio for his, uh, his second episode because there's so much content in the first one. Um, older people, we had a couple of questions in from essentials as you get older, people in their 50s and 60s in terms of what they should be doing. Um, I suppose as an age group, they're the ones who need to exercise probably most and are, are most fearful of exercise. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the kind of stuff they should be doing and uh, the easiest way to do it. Yeah, and I think a lot of older people kind of get pushed away from exercise because of fear. They fear that they're going to get hurt or injured. So I think us as trainers need to do actually a better job of 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 putting what we do forward that is is applicable to all uh, all ages but Overall, I don't think the aerobic development of somebody that is older is actually that important. I think as long as they can walk and they're walking regularly, that's probably more than enough. They don't need to do any high-intensity training. They need to do definitely some strength training, and uh, I would combine that then with an awful lot of mobility work, uh, again, around the areas that most people are tight in, T-spine, hips, 
calves and they should be getting down on that foam roll uh, on a regular basis and just get used to doing a lot of very simple bodyweight exercises. I love using bands with older clients as well, um, especially for the upper body then as well. A lot of the older clients we work on, we get them to hang from a bar. If their feet don't have to come off the ground uh, to start with, but it really is helpful to work on opening up their T-spine because the arms are then held overhead. Um, and just, again, like a, a getting them to do some really, really basic things where the risk is really low. Mm-hmm. You know, so simple things we might do in the gym would be like get the client to push a sled because there's a bit of strength work in that. And uh, we would sometimes then use also use a heart rate monitor if we're concerned about kind of working at too high of intensity. But a lot of it is just building up trust with the client initially because they're just so fearful of of um, of getting injured. But I'd definitely start with the mobility base first, layer on a bit of strength. And then if there's a bit of conditioning linked in with that um, that gets their heart rate up, great. But I don't see it as, as important as the other two because, you know, with, with that sort of age uh, age bracket, they're more concerned about trips, falls, and spills, which, mm-hmm. um, again, if they're losing muscle year upon year upon year, it makes that more uh, more likely. And there's a very good TED Talks by an Irish doctor. Um, uh, it's called uh, Muscle Matters. Um, oh, the doctor's name has gone out of my head now. I'll think of it in a second. Um, and... Um, uh, it covers it quite well. Um, it's called Muscle Matters. It's on it's on YouTube. You'll find it no okay. problem. And um, I, I think it's a really good one for people in that age group to to, to listen to. I think the, the, the uh, use it or lose it analogy comes along quite well. If you don't do the mobility, the strength, the strength work, training yeah. work, you, you, you're, you're going to lose the strength that you have, which increases the, the, the trips, risks, falls, all Absolutely. That. And again, it doesn't have to be like, I know people who are in, let's say, you know, an older bracket, we're not going <laughs> to say where that is because we'd probably put ourselves in there. We're, we're getting there. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, it, you'd kind of, like they have this idea that like there's barbells and like lots of heavy stuff involved and, uh, uh, and uh, there should be some sort of, you know, progressive overload mm-hmm. in training that yeah, yeah. things do actually get heavier. I've got, you know, a client I had in yesterday and he's doing deadlifts with a kettlebell and it's a 24 kilo kettlebell and for a lot of people they might kind of think that's a lot but I didn't start with that you know mm-hmm. um, but yeah there is the, 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 you do need to start with like the basics and then be open to it be open to going into a gym and look for a trainer that has a bit of experience in working with the older um, older population as well and that are sensitive to your needs as well and start maybe with shorter sessions as well maybe one hour is too long I was finding that with one of our clients that just an hour was just too long for him so I just broke it up into two half hour sessions and it was way better for him Okay, so make it work for you, what you're comfortable with, your, in your, your comfort zone, for want of a better word, and start there, and then the, the stronger you get, you build up, do more kind of scary yourself. And exactly, and it doesn't need to have your heart rate up super high. I think in that age group, it's more important about your strength and your mobility. Cool. Um, common mistakes the average gym goer makes. Mm. Uh, we had a couple of these in. Uh, gyms have become trendy, fashionable, funky, Um particularly gyms where there's no instructors in there when you go in yeah. uh, they're, they're very cheap to join but they're cheap for a reason because there's no one there to keep an eye on you um, what should people be wary of what are the things people do that are the, the most obvious mistakes that, you, that, that you've seen and kind of just general tips if someone's going to the gym for the first time I think the probably biggest one is, again, this emphasis on how the person looks, so the whole aesthetic drive over what your body can do. So I think when you're going into the gym, just start learning about what your body can and can't do to start with. Again, like look at your basic overall mobility, get a screen done so you can kind of see what you need to work on and have a well-rounded plan that takes into account, you know, a bit of mobility work, a bit of strength work and uh, a bit of conditioning work. Um, the current drive I, I see within 
the fitness industry and it has been going on for quite some time in the normal commercial gym is a drive towards bodybuilding mm -hmm. where it's like leg day, arm day, chest day. And if you ask any of those individual people, well, what, what, what do you want to get from your body? And they go, well, I want to be athletic. I'm like, well, why are you training like a bodybuilder then? You know, so there's, no, again, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of stuff within bodybuilding, but I, I'm not a big fan of this overemphasis on one muscle group per day. Um, because again, if I go to Lens Rugby and I ask the guys in there, are you doing any of that sort of stuff with, with your squad? They, I don't think they're doing bodybuilding we, training. We, we had them on uh, a couple of weeks ago um, and the strength and conditioning coach was in with us. And one of the, I asked him, I, out of interest, I asked him, I said, mm. we're looking for the goss here. What are these guys benching? What are they squatting? What are they lifting? And he had a really interesting answer. He said, well, to be honest with you, it's not really about the weight. Mm. I was like, okay, that's okay. I wasn't expecting that. And then B, he said that it's, we, we've got standards that we aim to hit. And he's like, the gold standard is double your body weight. And beyond that, the risk factor is so high relative to the performance increase that we don't really care. Yeah, that, it's not going to help you. Correct. That we mm. aim to get them up to kind of double their body weight for for, for, for certain movements. And once they've hit that, that's the gold. And mm. the silver is whatever. And But that it was a really interesting approach to performance strength. that's another mistake, is that um, people don't realize that strong is strong enough. Mm -hmm. So there's a point on that continuum where if you want to get a lot stronger on, let's say, pure strength exercise, like a squat, deadlift, bench, or whatever it is, um, then other things need to take a back seat. Um, and for a lot of people, they, they shouldn't do that because they're already strong enough on that area, whereas their emphasis should, pro or their energy should probably be placed on, well, their conditioning is really poor, so they can't enjoy their fitness outside the gym. And maybe that's another thing, actually, now that I think of it, is that for a lot of people, I think they leave their best workouts in the gym. They're going in, doing hard workouts, and then when they leave the gym, they're exhausted. Yeah. And I, I, you know, wh when are you getting a chance to actually do something with your fitness? Like go out and go for a hike or go down to the, the sea with your friends and swim or, you know, maybe do a little run. Nothing crazy, but just use your overall fitness for something. Otherwise, you know, everything is about how the body looks and not on what the body can actually do. And I think we're starting to now slowly see this movement away from just purely on how the body looks because it's a boring conversation. Mm -hmm. Like really, like you want to talk about abs, like I'm, I'm sorry, but it's not that important, you know. I had a 14-year-old kid say it to me um, but last week and I said, hold on a second here, you don't have a pull-up. So don't ask me about abs when you don't have a pull-up already because that's more important 14. at 14, wow. you know. So you know, we need to shut that conversation down fast because you know who doesn't care about abs? Lionel Messi doesn't care about abs. Roger Federer doesn't care about abs. LeBron James doesn't care about abs. Do well, you know what they do care about? They care about the big P, and that's called performance. So athletes care about performance. So if you want to be athletic, move athletic, act athletic, feel athletic, then you should care an awful lot more about performance, not purely on aesthetics. We're still going to give you some aesthetics mm -hmm. and maybe a lot more than you expect, but if you are focused purely on aesthetics, I think it feeds into the narcissism that currently exists within society. Great answer. Mm. I love it. Um, final question, actually, and this came in by from a couple of people too. Uh, your ultimate or your favorite treat meal? We had a few questions like, what does this guy eat when he's like going totally mental or having a bad day? Or what's his, tre what's, what's his treat meal? So Probably like anything that. with chocolate in it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I, like I'm very lucky that my wife is, you know, a fantastic cook and she's a trained chef. Um, so she does okay. a lot of um, uh, uh, of every meal. Like I, I shouldn't say a lot. I shouldn't say, you know, it's making, Careful me, now. Yeah, Careful it's making now. me sound like I, I do some cooking. Like, no, I, I, I don't really get a chance because her, myself, her, herself and our daughter 
tend to do an awful lot of the cooking. Okay. So I'm ju- I'm very spoiled. Um, I'll just eat whatever whatever they put up. But it, it, if I was to put in a request and kind of say, you know, would you make something that was for me? It would probably be something along the chocolate cake variety. Okay. I love nice craft beers. Um, uh, in much the same way you like your your, your cider, I, I'd love a nice craft beer. Uh, big whiskey fan as well. Okay. Uh, tend to like Irish whiskeys and bourbons. Um, so again, that's what a balanced Mm-hmm. diet is so people tend to think of somebody like myself and they think well he's in great shape and able to do all these uh, you know things that maybe seem impressive but it's just how I train I don't see it as anything too amazing um, but it's really not that important what's more important is having the time out with friends to share mm-hmm. that beer um, and having the nice meal with my wife or with our daughter and I think that's something that we're missing with this whole culture of wanting to eat out all the time and not having enough meals at home because uh, we miss a, a lot of those occasions like I just I, I missed like I think people will possibly miss out on the smell of bread, like baking in a house. Like if you're just ordering stuff in the whole time, you know, I I think you're going to miss an awful lot of that. Um, So, yeah, I I like, you know, some, I suppose, quote unquote, cheat meals, but I don't see it as cheating. I just see that as that's a balanced life, really. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But I don't want to become that person that's on social media posting what I just see as massive gross overindulgences either. Where I've seen that. Yeah, 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 I just think that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's just absolutely, uh, you know, out of control. Like people posting up like massive stacks of pancakes. Like uh, a lot of that, again, is because it's very Instagrammable. Um, mm-hmm. It looks cool. Um, and you're suggesting that, oh, you can have your cake and eat it. And you're like, oh, hold on a second. They don't eat like that pretty much ever. Or if they started that stack of pancakes or giant ice cream, they probably only got through about, you know, three or four spoonfuls of it and threw the rest away. They ain't telling you all of that. Yeah. Um, and you don't know what their normal workout schedule is like or how many calories they normally burn or, you know, so I just, I don't think that it's a very, it's, you know, I don't think it's a very good example you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're setting for people. So I have no problem with people overindulging, but it doesn't need to be, you know, it doesn't need to be gross. I, I think... Sorry to be making this answer so long, but if you go into a very high-end restaurant, they do not put down massive portions. So your appreciation of good food is not shown by the quantity of which you can eat of it. Mm -hmm. And so overall, if I'm going to have something that I fancy, you know, if I'm in a restaurant, it doesn't mean I have to eat all of it either, because sometimes by leaving some uh, by leaving a little bit left over, that'll actually make you feel better than you know overindulging. I think you know yeah, it's balance, and actually the the analogy of the really good rest of the, the the really high end restaurant is really good. If you ever go to like for Dublin, it's like Le Cravan or somewhere or or Chapter One. It's small portions. It's really and you you you, you savor it and you, you you taste it, and there's a whole. There's a whole experience, experience to it mm, as opposed yeah. to scoffing your face with whatever the temp, you know, the, the, yeah. the, and look, the, the burgers and or whatever. Look, there is a time and a place for, I'm going to do spare ribs and brisket and ice cream. And there's, there is a time and a place for all that. We're not saying that, you know, I don't want the listener to think that like, oh, never overindulge. Yeah. You will only know balance if you go over a little bit as well. And that's absolutely fine. But if it's become kind of like your mantra where it's like, oh, you live for the moment. <laughs> those guys, don't listen to those guys. Yeah. The very people that, pr- that, that over-preach balance and moderation are oftentimes the people that don't have it. On that uh, answer, 
we shall we sh- we shall finish. It's great to have you back in. It really really is. I'm fascinated every time you come in. You're such a. It's not just the fact that you're knowledgeable, but you've got a passion for what you do that is that anyone listening in can apply to their own work no matter what you do if you can bring a passion to it like dominic has for his you'll be uh, the very best in your industry so thank you so much for coming back in folks um uh, check out dominic Monelli on youtube on instagram all of that and david himself and Gronya. and Gronya, by the way thank you for the flapjack i haven't tasted it yet but i'm gonna bring it home with me uh, dominic always brings presents when he comes in um where can people find your, your book yourself and Gronya? Uh, smooth train nourish yep. it's in all uh, major bookstores amazon um and but again like there's, there's a lot of free information. You want to buy the book? Great, super. Um, uh, but I would s- suggest to people, like it's a great re- reference because there's workouts in there as well. Um, but for the majority of people, like just take action on, on what we've said here today and uh, focus on uh, long-term development, not short-term gain. Folks, you heard it there. Have a wonderful week. And as ever, we shall see you soon on the Real Help Podcast for another fascinating episode with another expert in their field. Have a great week and we'll see you soon. Slán. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.